0: I'm Bob Cudmore, and this is Talk of the Town on Magic 590, also heard on 100.5 FM. Joining us is Craig Apple, the sheriff of Albany County. Sheriff Apple is in his second term. A sheriff is an elected position, don't you know? Previously, he was under sheriff in Albany County. Let's start off by uh, talking about the opioid epidemic, as it's frequently called, opioid and heroin addiction, how often does the sheriff's office respond to a heroin or opioid overdose? Well, unfortunately, this has become something that's happening more uh,
1: just far too frequently. Uh, it used to be almost a daily occurrence. Uh, mm. Now it's probably a couple of times a week. And you've got to understand also that we cover a very large er- uh, area, mostly rural and suburban. Um, but it's safe to say it's happening much more in the more densely densely populated areas as well.
0: But it seems we've had this uh, war on drugs forever, yes. you know, for as long as I can remember. And but but how is this different, or how has how this uh, come about, and, and seems to affect so much of uh, a wide spectrum of society? Well, you know, the unfortunate thing is um,
1: it started pretty much out over prescription pills. That's the bottom line. It started with prescription pills, your oxycodone, your Percocets, Lortabs, whatever the case may be. And then New York did a really good uh, job at stopping the pre- prescription abuse with a program called iStop. Mm-hmm. And the unfortunate part of that is it started to push people to more opioids, such as heroin, because you couldn't get the prescriptions and they were addicted. Opioids the most addictive drug out there. And unfortunately, 33%, 34% per, uh, of first-time users are addicted the first time, that's just mm-hmm. boom. So now you're fighting recovery and treatment the rest of your life. So it's, it's an issue that happened, um, it was a great program, but it had an unintended consequence is mm-hmm. the bottom line. So
0: heroin is just another opioid. Heroin is another
1: opioid and unfortunately now what's happening and it's very cheap and it's very prevalent and it's very potent, and, but the, uh, the other part of it is now that's being mixed with synthetics, Um, And now you're also coming up with your fentanyls and your car and your pinks. And um,
0: it's just killing, it's killing this generation. Mm. And how do, when they say there's a heroin overdose, somebody dies, Mm -hmm. there's sometimes, how do you die from this? Well, um, that's a real medical issue, unfortunately,
1: that I can't really explain. But Mm -hmm. the problem is, there's, if you're using two or three bags a day, You'd use that for two or three days. Okay, well, that was great, but now you're not feeling that sensation, that euphoria that you wanted. Mm -hmm. So you escalate to four or five bags, six bags. But you're also, these people that are mixing this, they're not chemists. They're doing this in their backyards, in their Mm -hmm. basements, in trailers, whatever the case may be. So you don't know what you're getting. And unfortunately, you get one bad load and it wipes you right out. But then people are drawn to that. Because people think that, wow, that had to be really good heroin. They got that euphoria. They're chasing that dragon. So then somebody else goes and gets it. And unfortunately, you'll end up with an incident similar to Gary County last summer
0: where they had six deaths in a couple of days. Mm Mm-hmm. You were quoted uh, about the use of a non-narcotic drug called Vivitrol, that it's helpful in uh, stopping uh, heroin abuse. Uh, What does that do? Well, a couple of years ago,
1: um, when this was really, the heroin was starting to really blow out. And I just thought that we were really lagging. Uh, Government was lagging as far as coming up with treatment and coming up with recovery and coming up with the proper response and resources necessary to fight this battle. So we started a program inside our correctional facility called SHARP, Sheriff's Heroin Addiction Recovery Program. We started our own treatment center with the help of Addictions Care Center of Albany and with a mini-grant from Oasis in the state of New York. We treat people inside that jail. It's a voluntary program. And we hopefully I'll have you for a few months and we can clean you up. We can go through detox. We can get you healthy and we can show you the devastating effects. And then the final part of that, after you've paid your debt to society is we give you a shot of Vivitrol, which is a non-narcotic drug. The first shot is donated by a pharmaceutical company. It's $900 a shot, which, but it lasts you 28 to 30 days. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the cost of incarceration versus the cost of a $900 (laughs) shot, it's a no brainer. And that shot, not only helps you in recovery, but it's an opioid blocker. So you can't get drunk and you can't get high. So hopefully after 28 days, you've given up that urge and that sensation. You stay on it for, you know, a few more shots and you get out there and lead that, live that clean and healthy life that we all want.
0: Now, Vivitrol is not another drug you hear about uh, or an anti heroin drug is called Narcan. What is that? Narcan is also known as um which
1: is, it's, Basically, that's the drug that we use to bring people back when they overdose if we're there in time. Um, We've brought people back that pretty much others would have written right off. We use an atomizer spray, which goes up into the nasal cavity, spray on each side, and um, nine times out of ten, it'll bring them right back, and we can get them to the hospital. But, yes, it's a great drug. It's great for bringing people back. But you still need medical treatment after you give that. You've got to get them to the hospital mm-hmm. or they could just go back in and overdose again.
0: Mm-hmm. Are your deputies able to give this drug? I mean,
1: Yes, we've trained our deputies. We've trained our correction officers because it's not uncommon to get somebody come into the jail that maybe has just shot up and that hasn't hit the pinnacle yet. And they could overdose in the jail. So we've trained our, our medical staff. We've trained. We also have paramedics. Out there, we run ambulances in the sheriff's office. They're all trained, obviously. Our correction officers, we try to train every member we have. And we also try to train the public. We
0: want the public out there to know how to use it. Okay. Do you think that uh, the state is looking at having school personnel uh, use Nar- uh, Narcan, or mm-hmm. maybe you want to use the other term? Is that a good idea in your I, opinion? I think it is. I think everybody should, listen,
1: this drug is affected, um, it doesn't discriminate. It's affected everybody from wealthy to poor, middle class, white, black, urban, suburban, rural. We've had overdoses everywhere. And I think
0: the more people that are trained, the more lives that can be saved. It, now, you said there was an effective program uh, on controlling prescription opioids, uh, painkillers. But uh, then people just started using heroin. But are the prescription drugs still an issue? Well, they are an issue, but they're very expensive. And a lot of the drugs now,
1: the, the dangerous drugs, your hydros, your oxys, the drugs that were always being bootlegged and pushed off for sale, um, a lot of them now are made up of a composition that you can't crush them. You can't snort them. You can't dissolve uh-huh. them. So I, Senator Amador was sponsoring a program, and I, I remember the demonstration with a hammer slamming that, the pill, and I'm waiting for this thing to just
0: <laughs> blow, and it, 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 it wouldn't even crack. We're talking with Albany County Sheriff uh, Craig Apple. Let me move on to another topic, uh, which is airport security. (laughs) Uh, The Fort Lauderdale baggage claim shooting uh, resulted in five deaths. And uh, there are other acts of violence that have taken place at airports. And the sheriff's office in Albany County, you handle the security at the Albany International Airport. Uh, What can you tell us about the security efforts at the airport? Well, it's a touchy topic. Um,
1: We don't normally discuss airport security. Um, What I can tell you, though, is that uh, not a day goes by where we're not conferring with airport operations and the uh, Transportation Security Administration at the airport. Um, we have routine conferences and exercises with them, um, training and trying to come up with new ways to deter acts of terrorism and cowardice acts such as that. Um, but it's very problematic for me. I don't like to get into anything beyond the front of the airport, but I can tell you that we have increased our visibility um, by the mere fact of no threats, but simply try to calm nerves. People like to see the police. They like to see the the police canines there. So we try to just do that as a calming effect.
0: Yeah, I was going to mention that, that the, the, you use canines in these patrols. Or... Yes,
1: we have seven dogs in the department and um, we're looking at adding another one. But uh, people are, com- you know, dogs have a calming effect. I have dogs in our correctional facility. We have dogs at the airport. Um, it does have a calming effect, and and obviously they're also there for a purpose, such as explosives.
0: Our guest this week is Sheriff Craig Apple, the uh, sheriff of uh, Albany County. Um, Albany County has a jail. Counties have, have, have jails. The Albany County Jail near the airport could house 1,000 prisoners, I understand. How many are there now? Well, we house 1,040. Uh, right now,
1: our population is low. It's kind of an anomaly throughout the state. Um, right now, this morning, we were
0: around six twenty-five, hmm. and it fluctuates anywhere from thirty to forty a day. You told a reporter recently that the fact that the jail is not overfilled—you mentioned that six hundred twenty-five number—doesn't mean that crime is down, but there are other programs for law make, law breakers. I should say, uh, yes. Um, you know, it's it's great.
1: I'd love to say, wow, everything we're doing is—you uh, know—it's it, working. Jails populations are, are decreasing. Um, but there are also a lot of diversion programs out there. There's a lot of recovery and treatment programs. There's domestic bi- violence programs. There's specific programs for veterans out there. So there's a lot of programs where people are being diverted from correctional facilities into programs. And and really, um, I think that's the right thing to do. Look, we're always going to be able to hold our violent criminals. But some people were in there They may have made a simple uh, – had a lapse in judgment, um, lap, a lapse in discretion and um, – there's a program out there to help mm-hmm. them, and that's—I think—that's what we're supposed to be doing.
0: One uh, news story some months ago now had to do with jail contraband. A long-time jail sergeant was among eight people arrested for smuggling contraband into the county jail. What what was smuggled in? Or can't you say? No, I can. Um, this was a,
1: a very disheartening case. It's um, it's it's tough to deal with a, a supervisor that you've trusted for 18 years, and the public is trusted and to find out that we're having heroin, we're having cell phones, um, you name it, it was being smuggled in by this individual and uh, marijuana, and it's disturbing. The other seven were uh, inmates inside the jail that basically were running for him. And again, this is something – jail contraband is um, a jail administrator's worst nightmare – and it's one thing, this individual jeopardized the lives of the 600-plus inmates, but he also jeopardized the lives of the 400 employees that work there. Mm. And one of these weapons, cell phone, whatever the case may be, could have been used against uh, one of our employees, and it's very disturbing
0: that he would have he would do that. The um, in, in jail has some 400 people, as you just indicated, working in it, and they're exposed to inv- inmates. Uh, convicted of serious crimes, and let uh, me uh, just throw in a little something here. I mean, I think a lot of us still have this notion of a county jail as sort of like, the, well, that's where you know you get locked up if you know you have a a, a problem with drunkenness or something like that, or maybe uh, addiction problems. But county jails uh, can house uh, serious criminals. Absolutely, um, our jail is a maximum security facility,
1: and we've had murders, we've had mass murderers, we've had rapists. Um, and we've had uh, shoplifters so or, or uh, DWIs, whatever the case may be. But you also got to remember, just because you're in there for DWI doesn't mean that you're not a violent person also. Right. So we're prepared for the worst. Um, and our staff does a great job. And,
0: yes, they are exposed to those dangers every single day. But uh, why are the uh, prisoners uh, there, let's say, for murder? Uh, I thought that those would be housed in state prisons. Well, we are pretty
1: much a pre-sentencing facility. We're, we're a jail. And uh, when somebody comes in, they get arrested, they come in, they go through their bail process. If they don't get bail, they stay inside the jail. And eventually, when that case is adjudicated, whether it's a time-served matter, okay, they're released. But if it's a sentence of more than 12 months, they're going to state prison. And at that, that point, we transport them. Do, do
0: you uh, – I believe some county jails house inmates from the state uh, that um – You know, because the state system is crowded, or or that can happen. Does it happen in Albany? It could
1: happen. Normally, they won't send them back. What they'll do is they'll make us hold them longer, which puts a burden on the county taxes. Um, If we're holding a state-ready inmate for a long period of time, technically, the state should be paying for them. They don't do that anymore, and that's something that county sheriffs are always fighting with the State Department of Corrections over. Okay.
0: Um, you allowed a British film crew to make a documentary called yes. "Life Inside Jail: Hell on Earth," and I gather it lived up to that that title. Um, why? Why did you allow that? Well, a lot of people said, "Geez, you're
1: letting you know you're letting somebody in there to see that." I wanted that. I'm very proud of our facility, first of all. I have a very professional staff up there. I have a trained, accredited facility. But it was also important for me to let the public know what these correction officers and civilian staff deal with on an everyday basis. They're exposed to the dangers out there similar to law enforcement. Yes, law enforcement will make the arrest and give them, turn them over to corrections. But now corrections have that sucker for 24 hours a day, 365 days it could be. So... Um, it's important to me to let the let the community know that these folks are working hard for you, and these are the dangers that they're exposed to on a daily basis.
0: I haven't seen this documentary. I presume you have. What's your takeaway from it? What did you see?
1: I uh, again, it showed the professionalism of uh, the professionalism of our staff. It showed the dangers that they're dealing with every day. Um, There were individuals going in there, such as murderers. There were individuals going in there, um, many drug addicts. And it also exposed how bad an addict is and how it takes over their life and how today you
0: could be a soccer mom, but tomorrow Mm. you could be a drug addict. And I believe one of the local TV stations, I think it was News Channel 13, uh, did some uh, shoot after this documentary came out. They went into the jail as well and they did some. in fact, they uh, showed video Of you going down the line and, uh, you know, with the inmates uh, banging on the bars and so forth, you know, I hate to say it it looked like a prison movie.
1: Yeah, I'm in there regularly and I will also take anybody that wants to go in. I'll bring them in there to show them. Um, Listen, uh, we've got a lot of great successful programs in there. I'm very proud of that facility. And our staff does a great job securing that facility. But we've done so many different programs, and we've changed the lives of so many people. And we're proud of that. And we like to I like to show the hard work that they're doing over there.
0: Um, in, in fact, there, there was one incident uh, in the pa- past few months. And I imagine the, the, uh, the staff runs the risk of being assaulted by the prisoners. Right. But uh, a staff member, I think it was a correctional officer, assaulted by a couple of prisoners. And the prisoner, uh, other prisoners helped
1: him out. Absolutely. That was on our soldier on wing, wing that was created for veterans. I mean, veterans go over risk their lives for us. The least we could be doing is helping them get back on their feet if, they, if in fact get incarcerated. Well, what happened is an inmate went on the tier to use the phone, got off the phone. He got some disturbing um, information while on the phone, got off it and blindsided our correction officer and attacked him. But not one inmate helped, not two, not four. The entire tier came to the rescue of that officer. So it shows you that that program's working and that they immediately
0: reverted back to their training and saved that officer's life. We're talking with Albany County Sheriff uh, Craig Apple. Let me um, move on to another uh, topic, uh, the gun buyback program. Pastor Charlie Muller of Victory Christian Church has been the middleman for Albany County's illegal handgun buybacks for eight years trading more than 500 anonymously surrendered weapons for $100 each. I saw a news story about it that did point out that Mueller doesn't have a pistol permit himself to possess a handgun, and even if he did, he's holding on to illegal firearms that can't be registered on a permit. Uh, Why do you support the program?
1: Well, you know what? We tried this, um, going to have people turn the guns to law enforcement. If we're lucky, we get a couple of guns. We tried it with the district attorney's office. So finally, the DA and I sat down and said, you know what? Maybe we can partner with Charlie Muller, who who approached us initially on it, Mm -hmm. and see what happens. And uh, the first time out of the box, he was able to get 20, 30 guns off the street. People have to realize that even if he had a permit, it wouldn't matter. I mean, these guns aren't on an amendment or anything to that effect. He's taking the guns and he's transferring them to somebody who can legally possess those guns, which would be myself, Mm -hmm. which would be the sheriff's office. So- he has no intent. He has no criminal intent. And quite honestly, you have to look at what he's doing for this community. we removed. We have removed 500 guns out of this last batch. Three of those guns were stolen guns. So the rest of the guns were either guns that were turned in. Some were found. Some are community guns. But
0: you're saving lives by removing those guns. Okay. Let me ask you about uh, DWI. I just uh, saw this recently. Did the number of DWI deaths increase last year? Um, Yes, it has slightly. And, you know, unfortunately, DWIs
1: kind of roll with the economy. When times are good, people can afford to go out a little bit more. And unfortunately, they risk that chance. They'll have one or two drinks. And we always tell everybody, listen, if you're feeling a buzz, that's drunk driving. Buzz driving is drunk driving. Tipsy driving is drunk driving. So if you have to think about it, don't take the chance. Get a cab. Have a plan. We're hoping to get Uber and Lyft ride-sharing companies up here and offer uh, more inexpensive and more efficient transportation to help people. And, um, but again, you know, if you have to think about it, chances are you're drunk.
0: And I saw that you joined the uh, officials who support the idea of having Uber up here. Absolutely. I, I, I support
1: any initiative that is going to remove an intoxicated driver from our roadway.